Available right now via the iHeart app and iTunes. Our two new podcasts. Armstrong and Getty, one more thing. That's our daily after show podcast. And Armstrong and Getty Extra Large featuring our interviews of the most interesting people in the world. Subscribe today via the iHeart app or iTunes. Or wherever podcasts are given away for free. Because we're stupid. Now, I have to tell you, he's a different guy. He looks different than he used to. He acts different than he used to. He's even slower than he used to be. Joe Biden is a dummy. <laughs> we really enjoy that. So, um, Is that a deep fake? That's, that's one of those fake videos, right? We're going to play that a lot because we really enjoy that. The uh, Joe Biden is a dummy. Oh, boy. The amount of coverage on cable news for that as opposed to what's going on in China is just, well, there's no comparison, but that's just the way of the world. Um, Will that be Trump's Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall? <laughs> his great quote, his Abe Lincoln's a house divided against itself cannot stand. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. Joe Biden is a dummy. Joe Biden is a dummy. Joe Biden is a dummy. <laughs> a dummy. Joe Biden is a dummy. Joe Biden is a dummy. Dummy. Protest- Joe Biden is a dummy. Protesters in the street in oh, Hong Kong boy. trying to save their uh, autonomy from China. Good luck with that. It ain't going to happen. Mm, it's just nope. a matter of time. The British signed your death warrant when they were pressured by the Carter administration, as I recall, to end, end the evil colonialism of the Western world, trying to own the Eastern world. They signed the death warrant of liberty by returning Hong Kong to the Chinese. Way to go! Way to do the right thing! God. And so, as we mentioned, uh, Hong Kong, as uh, all their bookstores have been closed over the years by uh, mainland China, you can't get any information out in Hong Kong very easily anymore. Uh, that sounds kind of prejudicial, what you're saying. The bookstore owners said uh, they had tax problems. And, uh, yeah, we're talking to them. They disappeared a little bit. What are you going to do? Or they just disappeared. Forget about it. Or we the, don't know where he is. He's or in, somewhere. Or if you're in a standalone building, the building would be uh, declared uh, non-inhabitable and bulldozed. Right. That's the sort of thing you do when you're a uh, China. Yeah, well, at least the Brits and their common law and their rights are out of there finally anyway they're protesting in the streets today and the reporters lair live from various news outlets showing uh police are firing tear gas and lining up with clubs and the usual thing you see yep so yep 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 yep, the way that's gonna go you know i want to get into the uh, agreement with mexico thing the the, uh thanks for that that's why i change from a different part of the country from the over by China to Mexico with that musical background. Da, 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 da. Now, see, we've moved over here. But I was just going to say, why don't we do that next segment? Because we have a little time uh, in the next segment. But I will tell you this, and this is this is nuts. Do, 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 do. Now I'm going to Washington D.C. Now. Oh, okay. So what do you have for me? Well, I don't know. Swamp, 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 swamp. No, the national anthem. Mm. Or oh, a, by a the way, John, by, John P. Souza. By the way, something I meant to get this clip and play it for you because I thought it was so good. Did have you seen? 
up in Toronto during the NBA Finals, the Canadians singing their national anthem. No, I just it's saw the headline. It's freaking awesome. Oh, really? How so? So the, so the celebrity that they get to, to sing their national anthem sings like the first five words and then holds out the mic and the crowd sings all of the rest. Nice. Like standing up, bellowing their national anthem. Nice. You can't even get, there are a lot of people in the United States that won't even stand for our national Jack, anthem. Jack, that's we're nationalism, a- which is the same as white nationalism I keep reading. And that's the alt-right, which is the same as the Klan. So singing your anthem's the same as being in the Klan, according to lefty media. I thought that was really cool that they've got that level of cohesion about their national anthem, that they're all standing up, bellowing it loudly, and and looking really you know happy about it. Right. Good I, for you, I Canada. I thought that was really cool. Now, part of it is it's a singable song, and ours is... The words are difficult to remember, oh, see, and it's hard to sing. You see? Oh, it's very easy so, to sing. So a more singable national anthem. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, oh, Canada, somebody, it's, a, it's a catchy tune. I think you get somebody who can come up with the, the, the catchy hooks and stuff like that, one of your pop sensations. Yeah. Ariana Grande or somebody like Justin that. Justin Timberlake. Yeah, Justin Timberlake. And you write yeah. a national anthem, we could all sing. Maybe it would help a little bit. But yeah. I thought that was very cool. Oh, that's nice. Oh, there he is. Who is that chap? I don't know. He's saying like five words. Doug Trunquata. Drake singing along. Not used to doing it without auto-tune. The dinosaur's not singing. He just wants to eat those people. You could not get that scene in a lot of places in the in the United States. Let it play. I love this song. I grew up as a young hockey fan, so I heard the Canadian national anthem twice a week growing up watching hockey. I knew all the words at one point. guy did not look like he sounded <laughs> makes you want to mount on a ma- up on a moose and then and, and ride off to battle against who it's not clear <laughs> i assume they ride moose into battle that'd be terrifying sounds like something like game of thrones he doesn't it can you imagine cavalry mounted on moose like 2500 guys on moose back riding at you you'd fill your drawers I've been in the United States my whole life. I was born here, raised here, et cetera, et cetera. I got the uh, the, the the view of someone from the United States. Born Just in the, a, a point of order, you abandoned us on 9-11. But <laughs> born, <laughs> never forget. Born in the time that I was born in, in that view of America. But I wonder what it feels like to be in a country where the only reason you're not overrun by evil hordes is some other country protects you. <laughs> I mean, which is true. Yeah. Canada sure. gets to be Canada because the United States is next door to it. Uh, yeah, at this point, I'm not sure who would invade Canada, but, uh, you know. Well, lots some, of people somebody. would invade lots of uh, countries if the United States wasn't here to lead the way to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yeah, China, actually, China probably would find a way to invest heavily in uh, the ports, the West Coast ports of Canada. And then uh, when the debts came due, China would take over the management of those ports and establish a de facto zone of control and it would grow from there it'd be more subtle i think than you know sending up the uh the the uh 
the panda-mounted infantry of China to ride against the moose riding brave Canadians. But clearly, and now the rest of the show, I'm just theorycrafting who would win that fight. Well, <laughs> guys on pandas. Well, keep in mind that the Australians would come to Canada's age at, at their aid, rather. Right. And we all know what they'd be riding: kangaroos. Right. Yeah. And and you know you'd have the moose riding at you. And, uh, you know, the key to being happy is never grow up. Never grow up. So you'd have the... the key? <laughs> so the kangaroo, they got to be the flankers, right? They... Well, no, here's how it works, Sean. Okay. So you're riding at them with the moose, and, and they're just terrified. And then all of a sudden, you think the moose is bad? The flank of, of, of Australian infantry guys would leap over the heads of the moose on their kangaroos, and and please, you you drop your your spears and run or guns or whatever. You use. Jumping spears. off the backs of the the moose like some sort of launching pad. Oh, even better. Yeah. Right. Anyway, where were we? Oh, <laughs> anyway, oh and two. Right. It's oh and two. When we come back, you were going to tell us about Mexico. Well, yeah, and the president, his uh, secret agreement with the Mexicans, mm. which doesn't exist according to MSNBC and CNN, he actually took out of his pocket and waved, and because there was enough sunshine. It shone through the paper, and the Washington Post was able to magnify it, enhance it, and read part of it. Really? Yes, so we know part of the secret agreement. Well, I want to hear that next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. He knows he can't have a weak stock market, so what does he do? He makes up a fake agreement, secret Mm -hmm. agreement, which we find out, the Mexicans said last night, no, there was never a secret agreement. So now he's moving back to fighting China. So the narrative there uh, on MSNBC for the whole day was that uh, Trump came to no agreement with the Mexicans. It was the, what was agreed to previously. They're just, you know, implementing what they'd already agreed to. It's patently false. And listen, I understand that the president plays fast and loose with facts himself, but it was just utterly false all day long. There have been a number of agreements and increases in numbers and speeding up of implementation and... It's clear now, particularly after the Washington Post was able to snap a picture of the sun shining through the secret agreement that the president president was dramatically waving about, uh, that yes, they there is a preliminary agreement, which my understanding is it has to get through the Mexican legislature and follow their you know constitutional procedures, which is fine, but uh, to work out some sort of safe third country agreement, meaning that People have to wait in Mexico um, if they're applying for asylum in the United States until their their claim is adjudicated. Instead of waiting on our side, right? Which and and Mexico has agreed to do this with certain you know provisions. Blah blah blah. It's a little, all a little complicated and a little dry. Um, and and that will also aid the United States in saying, listen, you're a Salvadoran. You say you're a legitimate asylum seeker. Fine, apply in. 
your country or Mexico. You don't get to come in here and apply. Don't go for thousands of miles through a country that's more than happy to pass along your application and then claim, no, I can only apply by sneaking into the United States, turning myself in, then melting into the landscape and not showing up for your hearing. That ain't happening anymore. It's a major step forward. Now, you know, different people of good conscience have different ideas on how much effect this will have, but it is unquestionably a significant agreement with the Mexicans. Um, it's funny, the WAPO. The WAPO is just so wapo these days. Um, Aaron Blake, who wrote the piece, who, who's a fine fellow, but he's just he's way left. And he, he can't stand Trump, but, you know, it's fine. It's a free country. You get to feel that way. Um, but he says, uh, the first question is obviously whether the document is legitimate. It's signed by two people. That we can see. But neither of these signatures are from the country's respective presidents, top diplomats, or ambassadors. They appear to belong to Merrick String, acting legal advisor in the U.S. State Department, and Alejandro Alcantara, a deputy legal advisor in Mexico's foreign ministry. So, yeah, the legal guys from the departments of state signed the agreement, and, and on it goes. But, um, so, okay. How about just, uh, you know, away from the uh, details of it, the important stuff, how about the fact that the president waves a piece of paper? How far away was he from the reporters when he did that? Not far at all. Uh, I mean, judging by, yeah, that's right. I could see the, the various people in the press. They were maybe, I don't know, 10 feet. But still, even 10 feet away. So yeah. they took a picture and read through the paper. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, I've got a pretty good camera and, and a couple of pretty good lenses, but uh, that movie I was in um, is being filmed entirely on a digital video. Um, but the lenses, if you don't see an image through a really great lens very often, you forget that, oh, that's what it can look like. Some of the, the, the image quality is just astounding. We've all gotten it used to. It looks like 35 millimeter film. Yeah, we've all gotten used to cell phone pictures and right. because they're so good but every once in a while my wife breaks out our real camera and we got a real fancy camera yeah. it's a completely different thing right <laughs> but evidently yeah the wapos guy there had a serious lens and took a picture of such clarity that a folded piece of paper with some sunshine kind of shining through so you can kind of see there are words there could could blow it up w- with the clarity to actually read the words on a folded document uh, so anyway I will tell you this. It's good, and it's significant. And Donald J. ran on saying, both parties have been lying to you. They've done nothing about the border. I'm going to do something about it. Now, meanwhile, you still have NPR and others saying the president, meanwhile, has advocated a giant border wall. They're still falling back on that, which is just so dishonest. But he's actually doing something. Having said that, it's like, you know, your house is on fire, and you say to your wife, well, I raked the leaves. I mean, we are pecking around the the very, very edges of the thing, and Congress's inaction, unwillingness to take on immigration policy, the magnets that exist, e-verify the asylum system, the number of judges we have, the, the just it's it makes the rest of this kind of a joke. It's talking about raking your leaves while your house is burning. Boo, Congress. Boo. You've got what a seventeen percent approval rating. I'd say you're overrated. So that was a giant issue in 2016, probably will be a giant issue in 2020, and it looks like it might be a big issue in 2020, the whole breaking up big tech thing. I don't know who all is going to be on board with this on what side, because Trump has made some noises about that, too. 
But Elizabeth Warren has a giant billboard right in the heart of Silicon Valley where the big companies' employees can see it. It says, Warren, break up big tech. Text blah, blah, blah to join our fight. She's uh, really hard, uh, hardcore on that. I'm not exactly sure people, what people mean when they say that because Google's so much different than Amazon and what they do and Facebook and all that sort of stuff. Amazon could be a monopoly just with, like, you know, the, they control the market for everything, but, you know, toilet paper or whatever, mm. which is different than what Google is doing. Yeah, I've heard of all sorts of different proposals to, to so, deal with those differences. So I'm not sure what break up big tech means as a... Uh, you know, a rallying cry and everybody really cheers. Right. I, I don't know what they're talking about. I might agree with some of it, and I might not agree with the, bar, the other part oh, of it. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I will tell you this, though. It's interesting. Liz Warren, you just now, you're part of the problem, Jack. Uh, everybody framing it in terms of 2020. I don't understand that. If it's a problem, let's talk about it. Let's deal with it right now. That's not the way things work. Well, that's right. The president does everything. We want a king. Congress and, is toothless and, and gutless. And we only talk about these things during an election season. And act like it's important, and then once the election's over, we don't deal with it. It's, I don't think you understand our politics. Well, and it's June 2019, and this is an election season? Yes. What the hell does that mean? Yes, and this is something we'll be dealt with for the next administration, and then once the election happens, it will be put aside and then never thought, mentioned again. Until the next election season, right. which is a week later. Which is a week later. But, but it the, will be made clear to you the only way this can be solved is via the presidential if election. If we take back the House or get more people in the Senate or whatever. Exactly. It's the only, time, the only way we can deal with immigration or health care or big tech or anything. Yay! Of that here's ex- my money. That is exactly the way it Here's works. my contribution because I believe you this time because I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, the Trump-Biden verbal battle continues. Joe Biden is a dummy. Joe Biden is a dummy. <laughs> we have more delicious clips. Hong Kong's chief executive's weird explanation for the massive protests well, I'm there. telling you, you liked uh, 1984, the various movie versions. This biatch is straight out Orwell, man. She scares me. I'm going to have nightmares about her. And what dads really, really want for Father's Day coming up. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. As a father. I yep. want this news to get out yep. loud and proud. Yep. I've got the whole list in front of me, so we will talk about that. You know, I had an hour and 20-minute conversation with my daughter last night on the telephone. And that was that was the greatest Father's Day present ever. We just talked about life and challenges and work and careers and problems and mental health and booze and a hundred different things. That's, that's great. Actu- that's actually on the list of things fathers want. Really? That phone call. I'll be danged. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. It is the 25-year anniversary of O.J. killing those people. Allegedly, he was acquitted, Oh, is that why the Goldmans are on TV? Yeah. I'll be dang. You know, it's funny. I've I've, I've been fascinated by the concept of uh, the families of murder victims forgiving the killer. It's such a heavy thing and so hard to understand. Uh, but I understand that's that's really important. Well, the Goldmans clearly have not adopted that strategy. Um, because he's out. I wonder. I wonder. And he was never brought to justice. And he denies it. Published the book of "If I Did Do right. It." Right. His whole kind of demeanor post trial of "Can't everybody just get back to me being the juice?" Right. right. Seems to be a real driving force in them. Be like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, it's I just like wonder, he's not really the juice anymore. Oh, David, please be quiet. Um, <laughs> I just I, I worry about uh, them. Well, the families, I, yeah, I mean, right, they, right. they should not suffer 
because of that that monster. I don't get to decide how they handle that. Right. I can't imagine if, you know, one of my kids was murdered by some scumbag, but God, I would think continuing to go on shows and talk about it. Yeah, I just don't know. But For years and years yeah, would not no. help. But anyway, yeah. news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, we have President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden repeatedly laying into each other while they were traveling in Iowa. They unleashed verbal attacks that at times felt more appropriate for the final weeks before Election Day than a lazy summer about 17 months before voters wow. go to the polls. Wow. Well, not only that, but on the one side you got Chicken Little. On the other side, you got Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons. I mean... <laughs> Is this our political dialogue? And at they're this both point? in their 70s, which is unprecedented. Yes. yes. Biden going after Trump. The president is literally an existential threat to America. That's Veep. a ridiculous thing to say. Veep going on to pretty... This is a guy who does everything to separate and frighten people. It's about fear and loathing. No president has done something like that, for God's sake. I mean, it's bizarre. Did he have written out the line, he is literally an existential threat to America? Surely not. I think that's the only way to cut through in the age of hyperbole. That seems like the sort of thing you might right. say the last week, the last days before the before the election. Mm-hmm. Like when you're really in the final whipping people up throws. You can't, you can't go that far 510 days out, can you? Where, I, where do you go from there? I understand that Donald Trump, because he's really gone with the whispery, I'm, I'm a calming uh, presence. That's Donald J. Trump term. is using the Constitution to wipe his butt after he poops. <laughs> well, I mean, the actual Constitution. Go to the archives. It's not there. I was at the archives yesterday. It is. It's not there. I mean, where do you go from there? That is not a bad strategy, though, to have the back and forth on TV with you talking calmly and quietly. Maybe that's part of the strategy, too. Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely Just kind of subliminally look calmer. Because people are tired of the frenzied uh, Trump years. I mean, I'm not tired of it. Um. So yeah, I could see that appeal. Although, uh, well, we'll see. You We've got many, many days. Well, yeah, We've got hundreds. Yeah, yeah. Of Why days. are we even talking about? Yeah, that? you brought it up. I think I don't remember. <laughs> Trump, by the way, suggested that Jack Biden... Armstrong is literally an existential threat to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Trump now. <laughs> Trump suggested Biden is weak mentally, and now I have to tell you, he's a different guy. He looks different than he used to. He acts different than he used to. He's even slower than he used to be. Joe Biden is a dummy. Is he just trying to... I mean, the Joe Biden is a dummy part is obviously the headline, but was he just trying to say he's old and, and worn out? He's tired out? I guess. Does I wonder if he wants to stay away from the word old because, you know, they're the same age. Close to the same yeah, age. I guess. If you're in your 70s, you don't want to call somebody else old, I suppose. But. Well, anybody who's, you know, into, uh, well, past 60 knows there are some in better shape than others. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. God, I was talking to a guy yesterday. I said, how old are you? He said he was 65. I thought, wow, you're 65? Right. Fantastic. Good for you. Doesn't work that way for everybody. Organizers of the massive protest packed the streets again today in Hong Kong to go up against a controversial extradition bill before the local government. Now, the proposed law would allow Hong Kong to go ahead and send people to mainland China to face charges, be extradited. But a lot of folks are worried that it would also allow Beijing to target dissidents and critics in Hong Kong. Well, because it will all the time for the rest of time. Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam told reporters that the protests are proof that Hong Kong will protect human rights. In a way, I hope this incident also uh, helps to 
uh, refute any worries and allegations that these rights and freedoms have been eroded in recent years. Well, right, right, exactly. This new measure will erode them. Yes, that is why the protesters are in the streets, because if this law goes through, it'll be the last time they're in the streets, Mrs. Orwell. Do we have that quote of her saying, I have not consulted with the central government. This is not on their orders. It's chilling. we got to get that. And Hong Kong was, because, you know, it's right there. Right. Border butted up with China has been a way for, uh, you know, the truth of what's going on in the world to get into China for so many years. And I'm sure China knows that. Oh, yeah. So it's a valve closed, they want to shut. They've closed down the bookstores and all that sort of stuff. If they could really take over Hong Kong with this extradition stuff and have people frightened to, to say anything, um, that, that'll help a lot with their whole keeping a clamp down on information and protests and all that. Yeah. She is evil. Um, not not her, the gal we were talking about, right. although she is evil, yeah. but uh, Chairman Xi yeah. of China is evil, and he's also very, very smart, and he is got a long game going, step by step, gaining complete control of Hong Kong, and this is a major step. Anybody steps out of line, anybody marches in the streets, well, it turns out they've just got uh, some questions about their taxes in China, and we're going to extradite you to the mainland. See you later, except that we'll never see you again. All right, what dads really want for Father's Day? There's a new poll out, the one poll survey. From their kids or from their wife? Two completely different things. Two completely from different things. Want. From their kids. Who okay. it comes from, Jack, is it's immaterial. Yeah. The Unless survey, it's material. The survey <laughs> of 2,000 dads found that what they want for their kids or from their kids ranged this way. The top 10 items on the list, from 10th to uh, the most popular in 10th place, a physical expensive gift like an Apple Watch. That was an absolute last place. <laughs> Kids, Gla- don't buy me anything. Don't spend oh. your money on buying me anything. Glass of whiskey came in next. Kids, you don't have my money. That's my money. Just- <laughs> yeah. Don't give me any of my money back. A glass of whiskey? Yes. You get to the ones that aren't stupid. All right. Number eight. The chance to watch whatever he wants on TV for a day. Then a glass of wine. Then cheaper practical gifts like a tie or socks. Yeah, coming in fifth place on the uh, list, a nice cold beer or two. <laughs> Taking in a ball game with the family came in fourth place. Peace. Oh, that'd be nice. Peace and quiet was in third Some place. Some peace and quiet! Shut up, Dad! <laughs> second, second most popular gift among dads, a nice big juicy steak. Oh, wait a minute now. Hey, and- Sean, why don't you give me a steak for Father's Day? <laughs> Juicy. <laughs> but number one, with half of respondents yes. saying this. A phone call from their kids. That'd be, that'd be weird in my case. Right. Why are you calling me? <laughs> I'm outside, Dad. I'm out in the driveway. <laughs> I read on the internet this right. is what you wanted. Happy yeah, right. Get in here and clean your room. There you go. <laughs> Quietly. <laughs> so, so, kids, call your, call your dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Uh, falling outside the top ten. Uh, behind whiskey and an Apple Watch (laughs) was what I always uh, asked of my kids. Right. I say, you figure out what it is, you you jot it down, you type it out, whatever you want to do, tell me what we are going to do together in the next month. 
We're going to go to a ball game. We're going to go to a museum. We're going to work on a craft project. We're going to do whatever you want. You tell me what we're going to do together. And then we would do stuff together oh, cool. and plan out yeah. a daddy-daughter or dad-son date. Like thing. go buy an Apple Watch later? Exactly. We're going to okay. go to the store and buy an Apple Watch, <laughs> then enjoy a juicy steak, and, and I'll drink whiskey. <laughs> Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> no right. wonder our society's crumbling. Oh, that's boy, your that's news. Funny. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Yes, Michael. Father's Day cards. Have you ever tried to get one? They all portray men as stupid. Yeah. Beer, flatulence, or it's just it's the bumbling fool, this you know, big belly sitting on the couch watching TV. That's pretty interesting. Now, yeah. Michael, I was going to turn things sad. And the Mother's Thank Day you. cards are all you know the the, the stuff that yeah. it should be. Thank you for uh, giving me a nice transition to my overly serious take on this. What percentage of American kids for Father's Day would like a present father? A lot. Look at the statistics. Systematic discounting of the role of fathers in children's lives has been a, a terrible mental illness in America to me. Boys, it's a scourge. It's a horror. Girls, every bit is bad, just in a different way. And the, the insidious, the corrosive idea that to be pro-woman, you had to be anti-man there for a while. was just just a horror and, you know, I don't know. I worry about these things. You're, they're <sighs> useless. Mostly they're just going to instill toxic masculinity. And uh... Right, right. A, a boy doesn't need a role model. He doesn't need to, you know, learn how a man acts or, or how a man should treat women. And, and because there are bad men, there should be no men, according to the, the worst and stupidest of the, the feminazi cult of the, you know, 70s and 80s. Uh, which is by no means all women who believe in strong, independent women and, and rights and the rest of it. I, I believe in that every bit as much as you do. But the whole anti-man, anti-father thing, and uh, a uh, an adjunct to that, a tangent to that, is the near cultish celebration of the single mother. Now, I understand it's incredibly hard work, and, and you're a gutty and, and, and hardworking people if you, you manage that. I don't. I don't mean that you're not to be admired for your hard work and the rest of it, but the idea that somebody's better if they've had a child or raising a child outside of a stable relationship, right. that that's actually to be worshipped, it's corrosive. It's it's terrible. It's unhealthy. It's like a mental disease. But anyway. Oh, well, what are you going to do? I guess go on, get along, everybody. Somebody just texted, I'm going to do a ball game with my dad. That's a good, a good idea. I think you go with a glass of whiskey. <laughs> Here's some whiskey. Well, thank you. All right, go to a ball game and have a $40 beer. <laughs> um, uh, a little more on the whole Hong Kong-China thing. A reporter live on the uh, the street with a view of what's happening there. Also, Nancy Pelosi, why she's not really into impeaching Trump. There's a poll out that explains that. Well, I don't know what these other people are talking about. Mm. Nadler and CNN and everybody else. Uh, you're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
here think about uh, China's legal system? Uh, they don't believe in China's legal system. And there's no fair trial and it's not open. People just di uh, disappear. If the bill is successful, it'd be retroactive to past crimes and would include foreigners. I didn't realize that. So China is going to take over Hong Kong, it looks like, uh, so where they can uh, c accuse you of a, a crime, extradite you to the mainland, say you're guilty and put you in prison for past crimes. Ah, yes. Going way back. Well, in, in a closed legal system where you really don't get the right to a defense. So you're guilty. China! It's, it is inevitable. I remember in 1999, as the, China, as the Hong Kong uh, handover was going on, I remember being sickened, hearing the predictions that, yeah, slowly but surely, they will take away these people's freedom. Unless China liberalizes so much, it doesn't really matter that much. Um, but, yeah, I was really worried about it at the time, and here it is. So the Brits controlled Hong Kong for 100 years after the Second Opium War, Joe. And uh, it's uh, currently 7 million people on a little patch of land that's 20 miles by 20 miles. It's one of the most densely populated areas in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And most people there consider themselves Hong Kongers or Hong Kongians or whatever they call themselves. They don't consider themselves Chinese. They consider right. themselves their own thing, and they've yeah. had their own government and economic system forever. The government part is going away little by little. Uh, but, you know, I was talking about how uh, China wants to do away with this because it's such a way for the rest of the world to get into China with information and that sort of stuff, mm -hmm. which is true. That's why they close the bookstores. But it's also one of the most significant economic centers in the entire world. And, of course, China wants to control that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Got a note from uh, Al Anonymous in, in Hong Kong. I'm going to keep you anonymous, Al, even though you didn't ask. And, and we're going to correspond further. But Al has been a, uh, a big fan of the show since he was an undergrad in college. Um, he's currently living and working in Hong Kong. Happens to have an office with an extremely good vantage point uh, to the protests. Wow. Um, there by the legislature building. And has been watching it all, says it's led by young professionals, college students, high school students, mostly, although on Sunday it was all sorts of people, grandmas and whatever. Um, extremely well organized, multiple first aid stations run by the protesters for the injured, which inevitably the police decide to shut the whole thing down um, when they decide that and start busting heads, which has already begun. Um, he says Hong Kong protests and U.S. protests are very different. There is if little, if any, violence instigated by the protesters. In the larger protest this past Sunday, police arrested less than 50 protesters out of an estimated 1 million people who marched in opposition to the government. Similarly, no reported instance of any looting or vandalism perpetrated by the protesters today. Contrast that with a protest with the, orchestrated by Antifa or other radical groups in the U.S. Um, and then he explains the issue, which we're pretty well up on Um it appears that many of the Hong Kong people are at least uh, skeptical to the fair application of law and the judicial process of communist China. I can't imagine why they would have that feeling. Sarcasm. Uh, and then he points uh, out he'd love to bring us more updates and be our Hong Kong correspondent. And then he says something that shook me to my soul. I miss the orange chicken at Panda Express more than you can ever imagine. Really? You're in Hong Kong and, and you're yearning Panda for Express. Panda Express? That's interesting. I'll, and yes, you already have an international show, he tells. Thank you. Thank you, Al. I'll bet in the way that M Mexican food in a in a real, like, 
Mexican, I don't know, a side stand in some town in Mexico is completely different than what you eat in the United States. Oh, heck yeah. And when I was Italy in Italy, uh, out in small towns, not in Rome, but out in small towns, the food was as different as anything I've ever eaten. I've never eaten anything even close to it called Italian food in America. Right. I'm sure that's true with, with, <laughs> with China. China's such a big country. Oh, yeah. And different regions and stuff like that. Well, and Hong Kong's such a metropolitan city that I'm sure you can get, like, super authentic Hungarian food in, in yeah, Hong I, Kong. Yeah, well, no, this isn't a food show, but, like, I I, I thought the food in 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 in, uh, in Rome was, eh. Compared to the stuff I'd eaten out in the countryside with my friend who lived out there, the mm. real food in Rome is all, is all like, it was like commercial stuff anywhere. Way too much everything. Yeah. So, I think we Same all... with Mexico City. I thought the Mexican food in, the Mexican food in Mexico City was, you might as well be in the United States. Right. So, I think we're all familiar with Italian food, in quotes, in the United States, you know. Uh, lots of noodles and heavy and red sauce and you're full for six weeks. Um, SpaghettiOs. Exactly. The the best known uh, Italian food. Uh, What was it like there in the countryside? How would you describe it? Way lighter, everything. Same with Mexican food when you're not in a giant city. Everything's way lighter. There's way less everything. Mm -hmm. Not so much damn cheese and sauce and all that sort of stuff. And and heaps of refried beans and rice and everything. Little this, little of that, and just, you know... That we was my experience. It. And it's like everything is like eating at Applebee's with everything we do with food in, in the in the modern world. And that's why right. we're all so fat. Yeah. Just tons of everything on everything. Yeah. Mexican street tacos, the real thing, the uh, incredibly beautifully seasoned meat. Be a good band name. A little, the uh, Mexican street tacos. That's, that'd be cultural appropriation. Would you wear sombreros? That'd be way over the top. What, are you kidding? And fake mustaches? They're already ordered. <laughs> Um, but, you know, just a little uh, uh, incredibly well-seasoned meat, sprinkling of onions, a little cilantro on there, and, you, I don't know, a tortilla, and it's just friggin' good. You know, hey, waiter! It sounded a little like you're having sex over there for waiter, a second. Waiter, can I get, like, a giant spoonful of refried beans, half a pound of rice, and a pound of cheese on this, please, and bring me seven of them? <laughs> and bring me seven of them. Yes! Um, if you're blessed to get the next hour of the Armstrong and Getty show, we're going to play a long chunk, like longer than we ever play of anything, of John Stewart attempting to shame, 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 attempting to shame Congress yesterday. Oh, and I think he did a pretty good shame. job. Shame, shame. I think he did a pretty shame. good job. Shame. Oh, speaking of food again, back to the food uh, topic. Uh, Mr. Casey near Portland writes, guys, I was enjoying my nutritious lunch of sardines <clears throat> and Tabasco sauce and I noticed on the package of sardines, which are fish, of course, this warning contains fish. Mm, you would I hope. S- I assume the warning's the result of some litigation. It seems that we share the planet with some idiot that doesn't know fish contains fish. This is no way to run a society. That should bother people. It bothers me. Yeah, no kidding. More on the way. Armstrong and Getty.